Stag. Man and his amazing friends. All right. Uh, go ahead. Bring us in. Me? Yeah, with your <laughs> I, music. Uh, I, yeah, with your music. I, I, the music. Start the music. Oh, okay. You ready? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, fuck oh. yeah. <laughs> Yo, what is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Stegman and his amazing friends. Um, if you couldn't tell, a little, little different vibe here on the show this week. And that's because the show, Ryan Stegman's podcast, it's uh, Ryan Stegman's podcast, Sam's Ryan Stegman this week. No Ryan... He's on a he's on a cruise ship or something. Yeah, so fuck him. Fuck him. We're no. So yeah, we're opening the no show Ryan. with fucking Lamb of God because Dad's not home. Old grand, <laughs> old fucking Granddad Springsteen's not home. So we're gonna actually have fun and have a proper show without all fucking uh, you know Pinot Grigio Merlot sleepy face over there drawing away. So we're actually gonna have a fucking good time with some lively spirit. And have some lively conversation about God knows what. I think writing. <laughs> By the way, my name is Donna Cates. Welcome to my fucking podcast for the week because Stegman is too busy to work a seven-day week, so we had to go on a vacation on a cruise ship. Ryan, if you're listening to this from your cruise ship, I hope you all get coronavirus, and I oh. hope you're all trapped on it forever, as long as they have a scanner aboard and you can send in pages. Um, I am um, I am on a vacation in the sunny lands of hell. Um, I am moving. My entire house is demolished. You can hear things being ripped off the fucking wall. I'm fucking miserable. Um, I have deadlines out the ass, but I have nowhere to write. Um, and um, and I go to whole and my fucking cat screaming and um, I go to Hawaii in the morning. So that'll be fun. So, but until then, anguish terror um just utterly miserable um this is so, a lot more fun than if ryan was here <laughs> it's way more yeah this is this is what happens when stegman's away no stegman uh, and the steg lady and the steg babies are away on a lovely cruise to somewhere i don't know where now the whole show gets a lot more existential yeah yeah if that's what you metal. want to call it yeah angry yeah um, that was as always um lamb of god with a little ditty called The Faded Line, and it is fucking awesome, and it is my, uh, I'm pissed off, and I don't want to go to this Comic-Con, but I'm going to go into it anyway song. Um, so if you see me at a show with headphones on, chances are it's either that or Pantera's Domination yeah. that is playing in my head, getting me stoked to meet all of you wonderful people. Fuck yeah. Um, speaking, yeah. Of a, speaking of a Comic-Con, um, uh-huh. Donnie, in pretty much a, a week from tomorrow, we're all going to be in Chicago for C2E2. Right. We're going to be at yeah. a con ourselves. Are you excited to hang out with us and meet us, Donnie? Are you excited to meet the Supple Boys for the first time in person? Yeah, so here's the thing. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little peek behind the curtain here. Maybe people at home don't know this. I don't know these children that I talk to every week. Uh, Ryan found them. I honestly don't even know where he found you guys. I know nothing about either of you. I've learned your name in the last 12 episodes. He catfished um, so. yes. I, I don't want to know either. Um, the less I know about your arrangement with Ryan, the better. Um, I don't want to be culpable uh, in, in any of this. Um, I literally have never met these boys before in my life, so yeah. I guess I'm being forced to uh, at C2E2, mm-hmm. 
And uh, we'll see how that goes. Now, you guys say the words hang out. Yeah. Now, I am assuming that that is a metaphorical, like, like we're going to hang out, meaning that we're going to share, like, a, a similar space at, like, we're going to be in Chicago at the same time. I thought we'd be drinking. We'd be pulling all-nighters yeah. together. Hmm. Yeah, we'd probably hit the town, maybe. Yeah. I'm going to tell you guys the truth about something. Okay. That makes me feel bad. Okay. Hmm. The idea of doing mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Um, right. okay. I don't like people right. um, or being around them. Um, that's well, not true. We're gonna have a good. We're gonna have a good time. Have you boys been to Chicago? No, never. <laughs> yes. It's a fucking lovely town. It's a great it's town. I used to have a really good friend who I co-wrote some books with, Elliot Rahal. Shout out to Elliot, <laughs> and he is from there. So I used to go there all the time. So I know some cool spots that we're going to go to. Yeah. I hope you like chili dogs because uh, we're going to because we're going to make that happen. I had a chili dog today in oh, me news. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Exciting. But no, yes, of course, I am very excited to come and see you boys in Chicago yeah. and record a, uh, a live podcast, which we should probably start advertising that we're doing i know yeah. we've talked about it on here a lot but we should mm-hmm. probably start tweeting about that yeah. we are recording a live podcast taping now this is seeing some confusion online this is different than the um the venom vip event the venom v- vip event is for collectors and fans and it is where um uh, myself and ryan stegman will give you a little bit of a, a panel where we'll talk about the history of our involvement in the character and perhaps how we got into comics and just like a little lively chat and then uh the vip packages include um, a number of signatures and uh, free copies of comics that you get, and there's different tiers and packages and stuff. It's very organized and very fun, and there's a lot of swearing, and Stegman draws stuff live. Um, the live podcast is not that. You don't have to pay to get into it or anything. It is not organized in the slightest. Um, <laughs> it will be absolute fucking chaos. It will be... Oftentimes boring as you sit there and watch all of us struggle mightily <laughs> with the likes of Skype, um, as I did walking into this podcast. So be that's prepared the, for that's that. The whole panel is us just trying to get yeah. a fucking Skype. Call we'll have a window up projected on a wall. It'll be just you. But we're all still Skype in the room. Window. We're just trying yes. to get like Charles on the phone or something. That's it. Uh, we for sure won't be getting Charles on the phone. Uh, he has a restraining order against the two of you. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I will say this. It is, you will get exactly what you pay for. Yeah. It is a free panel. I don't know what it is going to be. We will probably take live questions from the audience. We will probably have you come up and speak into the microphone. Whoa. And so that you are recorded in real time on uh, on the podcast. We might play a game. We might play some like Venom trivia or something like that. It could be fun. We're um, definitely those... going to create a new character on the show. Oh, yeah. Christ. Gonna... Everybody loves that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, come on out to that. Uh, boys, do you have the deets on that? The dates? The room? Do you guys have a, that, that it information? It is. Uh, so it's free insofar as you do, of course, still have to buy your pass for C2E2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do it, and it is going to be Friday night. Um, let me double check the time and the room, but it is the Friday of the convention, okay? Which is, I believe, 
February twenty eighth, I believe, because we are. Sounds good. Beer. It is February twenty eighth. Next Friday, February twenty eighth. Let me pop over to our. Wait, is there a February twenty ninth this year? It's a leap year. Yep. It is. Mm-hmm. So that is Jerry Gergich's twentieth <laughs> birthday. Yeah. Or seventeenth birthday. Yeah. I don't know when that episode came out. For all my Parks and Recs fans out there, you'll understand that joke. For the rest of you, I don't know. Go watch The Office. Yeah, I mean, Griffin and I are tweeting that we're promoting this to our, what, 200 followers? Is that what you got over there, yeah. Griffin? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Think, yeah. Mr. Well, Cates, if you want to tweet it out to your, is it 50 million? Is that where you're at? <laughs> Something about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you uh, what. If all 200 of your followers come, I'll be happy with that. Yeah. 200 <laughs> that of be our actually, closest friends. It'd be yeah. a lot of the room. Yeah. Um, the room is room S five o four. I don't S-504. know if have any other sort of designation once the convention actually starts. Oh, probably not. I have uh, room S five o four, and it is at eight o'clock. 8 you show up at C two e two. You follow the sound of a good time, and that's where we'll be. That's at. right. God damn it, Lamb of God, Pantera, and laughter. <laughs> that's right and the cha-ching of the venom vending machine going off vending machine atm machine that could have been better all right christ yeah we have a bunch of skittles and shit actually uh, now bring later. now and laters for your boy um so what are we doing today well in the absence of Ryan Stegman, um, <clears throat> something that people have been asking for for a long time. We have had a writing segment on before um, yes, with, uh, with uh, say it again? Mr. Kenny Porter. Mr. Kenny Porter, that's correct. Sorry. Um, and of course, we've had numerous Ryan Stegman um, 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 art questiones. Um, today, we're going to do um, a writing segment, um, questions fielded from you guys. Uh, on Twitter and the Discord. Um, questions to me about writing. Um, I have no idea what any of them are, um, but I will do my best to pretend that I know what I'm talking about. We got some um, really good questions. I'm looking forward to hearing the answers. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, um, be- before we do that, though, do we? what do we want to do? What, what do we want to do? A little about, segment. It's <laughs> the pop culture news roundup. <laughs> really? Oh, shit. And it, if, well, if it had a theme, <laughs> if it had, if it had a theme, right now, it would I don't know. We could edit it in. We could, just we could, we could edit it in later. But... Oh, there it is. Pop culture, pop culture, pop culture news. Pop culture, pop culture, pop culture, pop culture news. Yeah. The musical stylings right. of Donny Cates, everybody. That yeah. is Brave Combo, the, 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 the Polka Kings of somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you know, what's in the news this week? Uh, what's in the news? I'd say the biggest thing that happened this week was the big reveal of uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman uh, that we got oh, a, yeah. a glimpse of. Uh, did you see that video? I did. Um, before I saw that video, though, what's interesting was <clears throat> I was, um, I, I think I told you guys, I did a signing with Jim Lee mm-hmm. um, uh, at, at, at two different stores. Uh, shout out to Torpedo Comics. In Orange County, California, and in Las Vegas, uh, they treated us like kings. Um, but I was, you know, I was hanging out with Jim Lee for two days, and obviously, you know, Jim is 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 deeply embedded in all things DC film stuff. And I was asking him about it. You know, I was obviously before it came out, and he didn't show me anything. He didn't he didn't break his NDA or anything. But I asked him. I was like, "What what is it? What does it look like?" And he said, "Well, there's a lot of influences on it. I think it looks really cool. It's really different." 
And I was like, yeah, like influences from like what? And he was like, well, I don't really know how to describe it, but he was like, there's like weirdly some like Batman 66 Mm-hmm. influences in it and I was like what what does that mean and he yeah. was like I don't know man you just have to see it to understand what I'm talking about and I was like mm-hmm. okay and then I saw it and I was like oh yeah totally like in the shape of the mask like yeah. in the in the in the cut of the eye holes like the visible seams the nose being more of a of a nose guard as opposed to like, like in the past I feel like those masks have been the Batman masks have been so like tight on their face at their face almost looks like their mouth area almost looks bulged out and they have to breathe through their mouth because it doesn't appear to be any nose holes or anything. Yeah. And that's how, I mean, Christian blows <laughs> the entire time. And it's just like, let this man breathe. Let this poor man breathe. They always look like they have those scuba masks on that are like sealed to their face. Yeah, right. And this looks so much more natural. It looks like he has like a, like a really cool um, range of movement, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, the chest bit of it, you know, I'm interested to see what the story is behind that. You know, I think well, I like everyone else. I like everyone else has, has seen the, the theory that it's his, uh, the gun that killed his, his yeah. parents. That's like sawed in half on that man. If I'm the fucking edge Lord, um, <laughs> and, and we're all, and now online, everyone's like, yeah, I fucking saw the gun in half and made it into his fucking, made it into a fucking bat. And I'm like, um, okay, I'm the gothy mo king. All right. That's, that's fine. I don't know. I don't know. There's parts of it that absolutely look like a gun, but then there's like, like that little clip piece that mm-hmm. is in the middle of it that like, I don't know. I'm not super knowledgeable of guns, but I know they don't have like tie clips on that handle. I'm, I could be wrong. Um, whatever it is, it looks cool. I thought it was a battering, like a, like a, like a, you know, battering you could pull out. I don't know. It looks fucking cool to me. I like the big neck brace. Like, you know, he's wearing like what quarterbacks wear to not get, you know, CTE, which makes a lot of sense, you know? Um, it looks like a lot of gear to fight, uh, Zoe Kravitz and Colin Farrell. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, but it looks fucking great. Honestly, I, I think it looks phenomenal. Um, I think that lighter weight cow, more of like a homemade look, um, is really cool. Be interested to see the ears because I think that I would really like it to be more of a David Mazzucchelli short ears, Mm -hmm. like really cropped to the side, which would go, you know, to the, uh, to the Batman 66 of it all. You know, I'd like to see that silhouette for a change. Um, it looks like a Batman who can act more like his, um, his physicality in the range of motion in his mask, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like scooping under his throat. It's not like, you know, um, it looks like cloth just going up to the side and then like a cow coming down. So it looks like he's going to be able to have a wide range of, um, um, acting and like being able to move and stuff so i think it looks wonderful i think it's really cool and obviously i mean that dude cuts a chin man and he's got a, <laughs> got a hell of a fucking oh, yeah. chin dude i love it and he looks great i'm super happy about all the positivity about him as batman i feel like everybody's pretty into it uh and uh i couldn't be more on board i think he's gonna be fantastic. well i think I think more than any franchise out there, the Batman franchise has taught us to all kind of bite our fucking tongues when it yeah. comes to casting. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah. fucking Heath Ledger! And, but, like, <laughs> even going back before that, I was like, fucking Mr. Mom? Like, fucking <laughs> the dude? What? Fucking, what are you talking about Michael Keaton? And then we were like, well, all right, yeah, god damn it. That guy's fucking dope. Yeah, you're right. You know, and then, like, 
yeah, I mean, Heath and like Joaquin and like, you know, all these castings. Tom Hardy is Bane. I remember being people being like, what? He's not big enough. And I was just like, relax. It's Tom Hardy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I look for a Bruce Wayne more than I look for a Batman. It's one of the things that I always always kind of bugged me about the Christian Bale Batman films is that um, it was the Batman voice, uh, but not in the way that not just because it sounded terrible. Um, the like trigger shit just always irritated me. <laughs> it's just the it's just like the basic psychology of the character because I always liked what Kevin Conroy did in the animated series where he was when he was Batman he spoke in his natural speaking voice, mm-hmm. but when he was Bruce he put on a voice, mm-hmm. and that is like very true to the psychology of the character because Bruce is the performance, right? And so I think that. Like there's a scene in what is it the Batman Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. where Batman's on a rooftop and like Selena Kyle does that thing where he's like talking to her and then he like turns around and she's yeah. like ghost <laughs> she like, like ghosts on him and he turns around and he goes so that's what that feels like and I was like well, who are you doing that voice for you're alone like the, are we the, sure that that's not Christian Bale's natural speaking voice <laughs> well isn't it isn't it a better joke if in the Batman costume he turned he turns around and goes Ah, so that's what that feels like. <laughs> like, isn't that a way better joke if it's just like his natural voice? Yeah. I don't know. It was always just very weird to me that he would like do the voice alone, and he would do it talking to Alfred on the computer. He'd be like, Alfred, we gotta. It's like it's your boy. Like he knows that you're do- like he he was he just saw you in, out of costume. You, who are you trying to fool? It's so odd. Um, but anyway, yeah, I have high hopes. Obviously, um, super into it. You know. Absolutely. Uh, Griffin, any other thoughts before I move on? Oh, I'm so excited. It's going to be a good movie. I mean, listen. Can I just be... That's what I'm saying. Can I just be this guy for a second? And, like, you know, you guys know me. I'm generally pretty pretty even-keeled when it comes to stuff about the ladies. Um, But (laughs) is there a sexier creature walking the earth than Zoe Kravitz? Um... (laughs) Jesus Christ. Just imagining her as Selena Kyle. And I will say this. I am in full view of my wife, Megan, right now. And she is looking at me like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> Zoe Kravitz is like her biggest, like, girl crush in the world. And when I showed, I was like on Twitter and I saw the the announcement. I showed Megan. I was like, hey, baby, your girlfriend's playing Selena Kyle. And she was just like, I'm about to pass out. Yeah. Like she's like that is the hottest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> this, so this cast, this Jesus. cast is full of like castings where you like you hadn't maybe hadn't thought of it before, but then you're like, oh, oh, fuck yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, and dude, anytime Colin Farrell gets to play a character actor, like I think that Colin Farrell is at his least interesting when he's just like, you know, in a role that Brad Pitt should be playing because it just <laughs> calls for like a hot model dude, right? Yeah. But like, I think that Colin Farrell, anytime he gets to play like a big, juicy, weird character, because I think that Colin Farrell is just a stone cold fucking weirdo. And I think that like, like if you watch like Fright Night, he's like this crazy vampire who lives next door and is just like eating up scenery and stuff. And like in Bruges, he's just like this, this, this. He's just this, this like wonderful character actor that is just like kind of handsome, like too handsome for his own good. So seeing him as the penguin is just going to be fucking great. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sticking with Batman for a minute. We're getting a bit of a continuation Ugh. of we're getting a bit of a continuation of the animated series with a, a comic book. 
uh, where Paul Dini's coming back, uh, and it's, uh, it's hell the, yeah, the, dude. The adventures continue, and it's going to introduce characters that we never saw in the the animated series, like Azrael and Jason Todd. Uh, and oh like, no way, really? Yeah, and there's rumor that this could, you know, potentially lead to something on DC Universe. So it seems like the the animated series is kind of it's back. It's back. What do you think of that? Wow, that's fucking exciting. I didn't know that that it was like a so it's like in canon continuing where the series yeah. left off. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty fucking sweet. I had no idea that. I always wanted to see like the missing years between. Well, I guess the, the, the this is kind of that between. Uh, TAS and Batman Beyond. Right. Because, like, that's one of the things that they never did in Batman Beyond was just, like, where's Dick Grayson? Like, where is he in this world? I know that they, like, mentioned it. They had this, like, huge falling out or something, but we never got to really see it. Um, so, yeah, I'm all on board for that. That sounds great. Yeah. Uh, also, I forgot Deathstroke. Deathstroke will be in there as well. So that's Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. That'll be a lot of fun. Great. Yeah, um, totally. Griffin, you like the Batman the Animated Series? It's very underrated. Uh. Yeah, actually, yeah. I've, I've had a not many people have really seen it, it uh, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's pretty sweet, and I am excited for this, and I do hope that it leads to some more stuff. That would be really really awesome. Totally. Absolutely. Well, you know, fuck this Batman guy. Uh, let's talk about Venom. Uh, there's stuff coming out all over the place from the set of Venom Two. Uh huh. We got uh we got our first look at uh at Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassidy. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. He's in a Hawaiian shirt. He's like dancing down yeah. the street. Um, yeah. And uh, on top of that, we got set videos of uh, having a big carnage stand in as he's like seems to be tearing apart Tom Hardy's car. Uh, oh really? <laughs> I haven't seen that one. No, yeah. I haven't seen that one. So they're deep into the filming. There's a lot of fun stuff going on. What do you think? You excited for this? I of course I'm excited about it, and I like that um, Woody Harrelson looks like I mean, he's dressed exactly <laughs> like his character from Natural Born Killers. Um, just like whatever, 20 years later, he looks fucking great. He looks creepy. I love it. Um, um, I don't know if I should, if I should share this or not. I uh, uh, I've been I've, I I have spoken to Tom Hardy. Um, in a very casual, non-official capacity, uh, nothing. No, I am not hired to do anything. Uh, we traded a few messages back and forth. I I will say that he is um, incredibly kind and very um, and very knowledgeable about the books and is very into them um, and has like read Absolute Carnage and stuff, which is amazing. Ryan Segman's going to kill me because he's going to hear after the fact, and he's like, why did you not tell me this? (laughs) Um, But, um, yeah, I, um, uh, I, I, again, I really want to stress that this is nothing official. These are like, this is nothing more than two human beings communicating with each other out of official channels, out of official, no Sony, no Marvel, no nothing. Just like you know, um, completely unofficial. Wow. Um, but he he yeah, he sounds really excited and has read the material and stuff. I'm sure this is going to be turned into a bajillion clickbait articles. Um, <laughs> but here first, I mean, everybody. I know, I know, I know. Uh, Donny Cates directing Venom Three. Oh shit. <laughs> um, I know. Yeah. No. 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 But he's really fucking cool. He's really into the comics. Um, you know, from what I, from what I gather, he's, um, read like a lot of carnage stuff and like, so is the whole team and stuff. So like, I really, 
I really think it looks awesome. I, for one, am really excited about it. Yeah, I think we are too. Uh, Andy Circus, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> um, we should see if we can get Tom to come on the show. Oh my God, that would be crazy. He seems like such an interesting <laughs> dude. Uh, it's fucking crazy that you've 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 had a conversation. Uh, Griffin, email Tom Hardy real quick. Uh, yeah, think- let's get my people on the on the phone with his people. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if that's I don't I don't know if I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. I mean I don't it's not illegal or contract breaking in any in any uh, stretch of the imagination for two human beings who both who both uh, spend time in Eddie Brock's head to communicate with each other. <laughs> I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think like Eddie like Tom Tom Hardy and me are the two people on earth who spend the most time in Eddie Brock's head. So <laughs> I I think it would be odd if we didn't talk at some point uh so um but yeah really sweet guy honestly just you like, don't know maybe topher still thinks about it oh, yeah yeah true. he thinks so <laughs> maybe yeah um oh hey can i say something really quick it hasn't come out yet it hasn't come out yet. The, the issue in question has hasn't come out yet um but you know i'm always very ahead in my venom scripts um, uh, than I am the issues that have come out. So, like, by, like, you know, the time, you know, whatever, issue 24 comes out, I might be on issue 26 or whatever the fuck, you know? Um, as of this week, I have broken the, the record, and I have written more issues of Venom than any other writer. Oh, shit, Hey-o. congratulations. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It feels uh, very surreal. Um, a, a title previously held by Cullen Bunn, um, who I'm sure I will die an early death and Cullen will come back and take it away from me. <laughs> that being said, let me just throw this gauntlet down. As long as I am on this earth, if any other writer ever gets close to my run, I will come back and do a 12-issue <laughs> limited series because I will leave this earth holding on to that title. Now, that, there's a lot of time on the clock. That's Dan Slott said about Spider-Man. He was like, oh, Yeah, sure. Well, dude, <laughs> yeah. no one's ever coming close to Dan's title. I mean, he wrote, you know, uh, what, hundreds of issues. He, he, he wrote it for like, what? It was like 18 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, what was it? It was like 10 years or something. Yeah, I, think at least. I think it was eight, yeah. Eight years? Is that yeah. it? So. Yeah, Jesus, that's crazy. I mean, so it's wild. Um, it's a huge, huge honor. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, because it's combined, you know, obviously Venom proper and then, you know, um, Absolute Carnage, all of the tie-ins, um, uh, the web of stuff, and then leading into what I'm doing now. Um, yeah, so I... Uh, on the on the pie chart, uh, I I I've written the most. It's really weird. And it's very humbling and very sweet. And I, um, my editors are very kind. And I knew that I was like hovering around it, but then they like sent me an email and told me and it was just like I don't know. It was really special. It feels nice. Is there a similar record that Ryan can reach art-wise? Is he going to have drawn no. most? Or... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't. That 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 would be interesting. If anybody, if any of our viewers know at home, like how many or like what artist holds the title for most Venom issues drawn? Boy, I'd have to. I'd have to be. Oh God, off the top of my head, maybe it's like Mike Zek or someone like right. that, or or or. or 
Gosh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, uh, it's not McFarlane. It's not Larson. The, those guys' impacts were so huge, but they didn't really spend that much time on like the proper. I mean, oh, you know what? It's probably bags. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, I mean, it's probably bags or like someone like like Zek or um um or like Ron Lim or someone like that. Yeah. Um. God, I don't know. Yeah, someone looked that up for me. Uh, that'd be, I would like to know that because we'll see if we can get Ryan to beat it. Um, but anyway, that's my little piece of Venom news. I, I spoke to Eddie Brock himself, and then I've, I've written all of them. So that's fun. Well, I've got one more major topic for you before we enter a rapid-fire round. So you said uh-huh. pre- you said in a previous episode that Star Wars was for babies and idiots. Uh, and I think if anyone... <laughs> Is that an exact quote? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that if anyone agrees with you, it would be Harrison Ford. Uh, he was oh, asked yeah, yeah, yeah. recently uh, if his appearance in Star Wars Episode Nine was him being a Force ghost, to which he responded, I have no fucking idea and I don't fucking care. Uh, yeah okay i I, uh, I don't um, yeah i just wanted to let you know you're not alone harrison ford doesn't give i don't know that i said idiots and babies i don't know if i'm exact words (laughs) i don't know that sounds overtly mean for me (laughs) i just don't i (laughs) let's go to the tape let's go to the recording yeah okay (laughs) i i just I just don't know that they're for me, and so I suppose what that means is that I think anyone who's not me <laughs> is an idiot or a baby. <laughs> Does that sound that? That's yep, better. that sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, yeah. So Harrison Ford also hates Star Wars, and then we'll enter a rapid fire round. I got three micro pieces of news, and uh, Donnie, just give me a yay or a nay. Well, hold on, really quick. On that last thing, I could absolutely see myself. How old is Harrison Ford? In his 70s? Yeah, yeah. almost 80. It'd have to be, right? Yeah. I could 100% imagine that if I'm in my 70s and people are still coming up to me and being like, in absolute carnage, why didn't the Miles tie-in uh, line up to this? I could absolutely see myself being like, I don't care, kid. <laughs> who, fucking, who fucking gives a shit? Like, I, I get absolutely... You know, because that guy's just like, I've done a thousand films and four of them were Star Wars <laughs> films. <laughs> like, please fuck off. I was Indiana Jones, for Christ's sakes. I was the president. Please fuck off. I, I, he's like, I'm in a new one called The Call of the Wild that no one knew was coming out. <laughs> it's coming out. I guess it's, I, yeah, I guess it's out. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So rapid fire. I'm, I'm, I'm to give a thumbs up. Uh, or a thumbs down? Is that what's happening? Yes. All right. All right. Billie Eilish put out her theme song for. Oh shit. Dope. <laughs> Billie Love Eilish it. put out her theme song for No Time Love to it. Die. Yay or nay? Fuck yeah. Love fuck, it. Fuck yay. Killer. Right. Uh, there's Killer. A, there's a new people want to talk a lot of shit about Billie Eilish's to yep. me and be like, oh, she just like whispers things and all that stuff, and then she comes out there and just like belts out that James Bond shit, dude. Yes. Gangster. Love it was it. good. There's a new image good. of Keanu Reeves and what's his face in Bill and Ted Face the Music. <laughs> this is it. What do you think? His name is. Fu- Hold on. Oh, I'm going to check you real quick. <laughs> my man's name is fucking Alex Winter. I'm sorry. I'm you sorry. put some respect on my man's name. I love Bill and Ted. What do you think? Yay or nay? Oh, dude. So about it. So, 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 super so, yay. so super about it. Of course, dude. Hey, you know this. This podcast is pro Keanu. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before, 
Uh, maybe I've like mentioned it a few times, maybe a few hundred times. I did have a four-hour meeting with Keanu Reeves, so we just oh we talked for for a long time about story and art and friendship, and um, uh, he's a really good dude. Sometimes when Keanu we're doing Day this, sometimes up. when we're doing this show, I forget how big of a deal you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, weird. it's easy to do because I'm so down to earth. Yeah, sure. you know, so I'm like him. I'm just like a normal dude, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, normal we forget dude like who knows he's like Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, he like knows Keanu Reeves and like talks to Tom Hardy and like <laughs> he's like writing movies and is like super handsome, like almost a model kind of status. And like flies over the world, has a beautiful wife, like really good at like guitar and like bow staff yeah. skills, yeah. nunchucks, can dance super good, beatboxes like a fucking champion, you know? Is the um, dance thing an exclusive to this show? I don't think that was out there before. Bro, I can dance like a motherfucker. That's okay. that's that's hundred percent true. Well, Megan vouch for that. Tomorrow. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I also apparently um, bleeding cool needs the world to know that I need some sneakers. Uh, yes. I don't know if you guys saw that. The sneakers are impossible to find, dude. Literally, like people have been trying and trying and trying to find me those sneakers, and they just, just fucking invisible. Anyway, what's the next uh, topic? Final topic: Rick Moranis. He's back for Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's Dope. shrunk at Disney. Yay or nay? <laughs> It's Shrunk at Disney? Is that it's what it's called, called? The movie's called Shrunk, and it's a d- new Disney movie. He's back. Oh, it's just called Shrunk? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if I like that. Yeah. I don't know if I like that title, but I like Rick M- Moranis. I'm yeah. fucking super into that. And my man just, like, retired and, like, raises kids and stuff, so, like, I'm I'm about it. Awesome. Um I yeah, I don't know if I have that much to add. I mean, he must have turned down so many Ghostbusters shit yeah. over the years, right? Yeah. So like, I wonder what it is about this one that like they got him for, right? Um, you know, but yeah, yeah, fuck yeah, dude, I'm all, I'm all about it. Yeah. Well, that's there sweet. we go. That's the end of pop culture news. Uh, uh, well, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> hey, hey, shut up. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is the full version of it where it's a song in Spanish. It's pretty sweet. Uh, they're talking about pop culture news. I suspect. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, all right. Questions for writers. Right. Uh, questions for writers. Um, well, for me, I'm the only one here. Uh, well, no, I guess you boys are. You've written some shit. We are we're, writers. We're writers. We are You're writing. Right. You are writing. That makes you writers. Yes. You've sent me a script for a thing that I have it's, not read. It's just not. An, it's we just know. not anything that anyone wants to read. <laughs> well, that's. But that's how everything starts, though. Yeah, and that's, of course. You know, course. absolutely. That's our first tip for writers for this episode, <sighs> and now we'll get into some some more ones with these questions. Some from questiones. All you all right. Um, all right. Let's just get into it. Up first, it. Uh, Spencer Taylor says, "How do you prepare to write a character with a complex continuity?" I imagine that that means like a Marvel character or, or, or a, you know a, a character with an established IP. I mean, most of the time, what that means is uh, you know it's a, it's a combination of two things. It's um, I I have. I do no preparation whatsoever because I've been preparing for it for 30 years. You know, I've probably been reading those characters' stories 
for a very long time. So like in broad, I, I typically kind of don't take on assignments for the most part for characters that I don't have a lot of like built in passion for. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a few times where I, I have wanted to just like play in a corner where I didn't really know a whole lot about them. So like, um, you know, I've gone back and done research and then, and then there's characters like, like for a character like Venom, I didn't really have to do a whole lot of stuff because it's a relatively young character. It's within my lifetime, so I've read all of it. Um, but then, like you're doing something like Thor, and like I'm a huge Thor fan, obviously. But there's so much Thor, and so you know it was absolutely worth my time to go back and read some classic stories that uh, Jason told me about, and that some of my editors told me about that I had just like neglected to read over the years. Um, go back and do a reread of the assignments and stuff. Go back and read all of Jason's stuff. Um, so it just depends, you know. And then, like, all, as you go along, too, you find yourself. I do it with Thor almost every issue. Almost every issue of Thor, I find myself just pausing my script and being like, oh, wait. Uh, do I know enough about like this aspect of Norse mythology? Am I about to put my foot in my mouth? Has like Thor done this? Is that. Does that law of like you know um, as guardian magic make sense the way that I want it to? And so I'll just like go and dive in and like find some stuff. And that's when you really lean on your editors. So it's great to have someone like Tom Brevoort or Will Moss or Sarah Brunstad who are my team, that I can go to them and be like, hey, I have a question about like you know this aspect of Sif's origin or you know Boulder, you know what is Boulder's status and like you know that kind of stuff. And they'll. You know, just provide me with like reams of stuff. So it, you know, it just changes and evolves as you go in. Um, as you start, well, I, I, okay. Let me just put a big caveat on all of what I'm about to tell everyone, which is that this is how I do things. This is not necessarily like died in the wool. This is how you should be doing these things. Mm-hmm. Every writer probably has their own uh, process, and even within those processes, those processes change. Um, depending on deadline and workload and all that kind of stuff, right? So um, when I write an outline for a book, I tend to write it as if I'm writing an all-new number one that is a complete reboot and nothing. there has never been a book before it, right? Um, and by that, I mean I'm not. that's not what's going to make it to the page. I'm just going in and stating my intention. And then... When you turn that in, that's when your editor goes in and says, okay, so here's how we can weave this from the book that just came before it. Here's the, you know, the pieces that can fit. Here's the stuff that's not going to work. It's not going to fit with the canon and stuff. But it is part of my job to come in on a book and say, this is my take. This is going to be a fresh jumping on point for new readers and stuff. And here is my kind of you know, if not reinvention, my my new take on a, on a classic character. So I tend to just write outlines in a bubble and just be like, this is what, you know, Eddie Brock's going to be doing. His god is woken up and is in this prison and blah, 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 blah. And then we go through the process of making the continuity stick and making, you know, like I've never been one to go into a book and say, Oh, well, if Jason Aaron's book ended on a Thursday, well, here's that week's Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I don't think that that's why anyone shows up. I think when you when you when you do a new number one, 
you're going to gain a lot of new new readers and you can alienate a lot of them by by being very beholden to the chronology of the last uh iteration because that doesn't feel like a new number one you know it feels like a continuation of something else so it's a careful balance of being you know setting up things like in my book <clears throat> in thor you know that you know thor is king of asgard now now yeah. would you have have to have read all of jason aaron's run to understand how he got to be there well it's an incredible fucking story and you absolutely should go and read it but if you haven't and you just happen to walk into a comic book store and see thor number one you could walk into it and pick it up and go oh thor's king now you know and, and just and just walk into it just fine you know um it's so that's the kind of thing that i'm talking about is that like you know you want to just come in with your best foot forward and what you want your story to be about and then as you massage things, you, you, you'll, you'll start to stitch together like how it lines up with the previous stuff. Sweet. Let's see. Did you go to school for writing slash would you recommend aspiring writers to go to school? This is a tricky one because I, I, I did and I, um, I did and I didn't. I did not. <clears throat> I've taken four classes uh, total on script writing um i went to savannah college of art and design to learn how to pencil and found myself um uh they offer like two different uh script writing classes that are specifically uh comic book scripting classes you know um and so i took those and just fell in love with it Uh, but after that it was all just real world experience um, do I recommend going to school for it? Um, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's such a complicated answer. It just depends on what you want to get out of it. Because here's the thing is like, you, you can, t- here's what I, here's what I want people to do. I want people to get an education and how to do it. What I don't want to tell people is that you have to go into massive debt to be able to do what I do. It's simply not true. There's a lot of people in my industry who don't have a d- d- degree who are dropouts. I mean, I dropped out from that school. You know, I'm a two-time college dropout. You know, but at the end of the day, it's you know your 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 script will beat the next guy's script, and they're not comparing degrees at the door. You know, mm-hmm. um, if it if if I will say being in that kind of environment, especially going to art school and being a writer and being around that many artists it does make the process of finding artists and teaming up with them uh, incredibly easier because uh, it can be sometimes tough to do that. And being surrounded by very motivated people who also want to do the same things as you do can be incredibly motivating and great. Um, <clears throat> do you absolutely have to go to college to become a comic book writer? Absolutely not. You do not. Um, you should take some kind of classes or just teach yourself how to do it um most of your learning though is just going to be failing in public no matter how much school you go to you're going to put out some dog shit comics you know every writer that you love out there has something in their background that is just dog shit i know i do but you just got to put it out you just got to put it out you got to fail in public this isn't this isn't a medium or an art form where you and your five buddies can go be in a band and go practice in your garage until you're absolutely ready to go on stage. 
you got to go practice on stage, like in front of a bunch of fucking people, you know, and you just got to keep on going and learn from that. So, you know, it's a dicey question. I would never dissuade anybody from getting an education, but plainly speaking, no, you don't, you don't, you don't have to go get yourself in debt to, to, if you think that you want to be a comic book writer. Agreed. That was from Haley. This next one is from Zach Chapman. Uh, when you receive revisions from editors, how extensive are they? Do you have to rewrite whole scenes or plot points, or is it generally easier slash smaller revisions? Any advice on uh, dealing with editors? I don't get notes ever. Mm-hmm. Um, every script I turn in is flawless. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> no, I mean, at the pace that I work at, um, most of my stuff is vetted plot-wise. So, like, at Marvel, with me, with how many titles that I'm on, and again, I can't speak for other Marvel writers because I can only speak from my own, own experience. This seems to be pretty, pretty across the board. You, you, you vet out all your plot stuff well in advance at the, at the retreats and on phone calls with people. I generally call my editors, uh, Devin or Will or whoever it's gonna, gonna be. And I say, all right, hey, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing for Thor number seven. You know, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, and this and, the, this and that. And we'll, we'll go, oh, okay, well, uh, does that make sense? Like, does that part make sense? Like, help me. Like, it's never, it's never an editor saying, don't do this. It's always, like, I have really, really good editors. And, like, what you don't want out of an editor is someone who will say, well, that's really cool, but what if you did it like this? You don't want that because that's an editor who wants to be a writer. You know, when they're like throwing ideas for like, you know, writing back to you, you're like, well, I mean, why, why, why did you hire me to do this? Cordy, I swear to God, it's <laughs> nine o'clock at night. There's wolves outside, dude. That's you. Why do you want to die so bad? Cordy, I'm, I'm fucking laying down the law about fucking art and comics. Here, come here. Come here, come here, come here. There you go, come here. Come here, come up here. Special cameo appearance this week. Yeah, Cordelia. Cordelia's going to go live with a different family tonight because we're going to Hawaii, and she's maybe going to live there for fucking ever if she doesn't shut up. So anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so like, what you don't want is someone who will like turn your 10 into a seven just to have their, their, their thumbprint on it, you know? Um, but like, I've, I'm very fortunate in all the editors that I've worked with at, at Marvel. Um, uh, when they challenge me on things, it's not because they think it's bad or that they think that it, uh, that they have a better idea or whatever the hell. Right. It's always, it's always, how can I help you get your intention uh, better like across the plate so it's always like i don't think that what you're doing right there is conveying what you want it to but i think we could do x y and z and that would help this and i'm always like yes absolutely fuck yes that's great um so there's all a team you know it, it, i think that sometimes it can be portrayed as editors being the enemy or something like that um that has not been my case at Marvel. I've absolutely had editors like that that just drive me up a fucking wall. Um, but yeah, all of my stories have been vetted so far in advance that, like, 
it's just minute changes that I'm going in there. You know, I'll be like, oh, this scene was supposed to happen in issue nine, but now it's going to happen in issue seven because I need to move this around. And generally what editors just want you to want, want to know is that you've thought it out. So they're generally just asking you questions. And I think a lot of young writers make the mistake of thinking editors asking them questions is editors giving notes. So, like, I think a lot of young writers will have an editor say, why are you making this choice? And that writer will say, oh, well, I don't have to. I'll do something else. When if you just go back to your editor and say, oh, well, I'm doing this because I need this character to do this because this informs A and A informs B that will be paid off in C. An editor will go, okay, all right, I'm just making sure that you're thinking about it. You know, because everything is a conversation. I think that newer writers, especially at Marvel, get so um, uh, they have so much pressure on them because they think that oh, it's oh, it's my my first gig, it's my first series. I need to be, I need to, um, I need to be as easy to work with as humanly possible. I'm not going to argue with any notes or anything. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between arguing with notes. Or, or, or rather, uh, there's a difference between explaining your reasons that go against their note and arguing with a note and being combative. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a big yeah. difference between those two things, right? Um, so I would always say stand up for yourself. If your gut is telling you that a story needs to be a certain way, stand up for yourself. You will know for a fact when an editor is telling you no. <laughs> like they will not be shy about it but until they do that like feel free to politely in a manner that you would in any other office setting go and say hey i saw your note and if you don't mind could i just kind of speak to like why i was thinking about doing what i was doing and nine times out of ten they'll go oh oh okay all right i see what you're doing there maybe the way that you were um, explaining it wasn't that great. Maybe I didn't see like the long term. I think a lot of writers also get they have they have a hundred percent of what they want to do in their brain, and sometimes they turn in an outline that is only eighty percent of it, and they uh, are sometimes shocked that the editor didn't read the extra twenty percent that mm-hmm. was in their brain, you know. And so you're like, well, no, Cletus Cassidy has a time bomb embedded in his brain, and they're like, well, that's not in the outline, dude. And you're like, oh, did I not put that in the outline? Shit. Okay. Well, right. So it's always worth just like doubling back and being like, well, I I, I want to talk about this bit, you know. But if you go in there and you're just like, hey, you know what, man? Fuck you. This is my book and I want to fucking do it like this and you're in my way, then like, yeah, they're going to be like, no, get out of here, jerk. I mean, it's just the same rules of life. Every Everything you'll find in jobs and relationships are just the same rules that would apply at McDonald's, you know. Someone gets your order wrong at McDonald's. If you go back up there and you go, hey, man, I was supposed to have a chicken nugget instead of a cheeseburger. They'll go, oh, dude, my bad. Right. If you go up there, I'd be like, look, dipshit. I'm supposed to have this. Well, then, yeah, dude, that's going to go bad. Like it's everyone's blood's going to get hot. Everything's going to. So like just like, you know, just be nice to everybody and like realize that comic books are just drawings on paper. It's really not worth getting into a screaming fight about, you know. Uh, not to say that I haven't done it, um, but uh, but yeah, it's generally pretty easy to navigate those those things. 
It's always Wait. seemed to me that like there's a difference between there's a huge difference between writers and like TV, uh, like having to deal with network executives and whatever. Well, they're just corporate whatever. But like with comics, like the editors tend to come from comics, so like they 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 seem sure. a lot more. That's like a different. Creative. Well, yeah. that's a completely different thing because like yeah. with a you know a typical issue of Venom, there's um you know there's me and there's Ryan or whoever's drawing that 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 issue, mm-hmm. um. And then there's Devin and there's Danny, who are the editorial team. That's it, mm-hmm. right? And, like, Ryan and I vet shit with each other a lot before it goes to the page. And then Devin, Danny, and I are just are all on the same page of the plan. And, you know, that's it. Um, on a movie or a TV show, the chain of opinions is so big and so vast that like you know you're you're by the time a note gets back down to you who fucking knows where that note started right you know like i've had notes come back down to to me on 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 film scripts that i've written it didn't make any sense to me at all and i was like what are you talking about like like if I was writing, you know, I'm just gonna, I, I, I kind of have to make something up here because I can't name anything. But it would be like if I was, if I was writing Venom three, right? And then uh, I got a note down on my screenplay where they were like, "Does it have to be a symbiote?" <laughs> and I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? We've done two of these films. That's kind of like the whole thing. What are you talking about?" <laughs> And then I find out that 30 executives up, one of them was like, I'm not sure that in that shot that really reads as the color black on that monster. And then the guy under Nathan was like, oh, he said it was a monster and not a, not a symbiote. And the guy under that was so scared about his job that, 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 that he was like, well, if it's not reading like a symbiote, should it even be a symbiote? So like, you know, it's like things are like people are so scared of their own jobs that they take just like errant comments. I can't tell you how many times. I have just like gotten a note back then. I'm just like, I don't even know what the, I don't even know how to begin to parse what the fuck that means. Yeah. And then I've found out that the person who gave that note was just like, oh no, that wasn't a note. That was an offhand comment that like I didn't mean as gospel or law, mm-hmm. but just like I think that Hollywood is so cutthroat that people are just like, well, if they're worried about it, we should just we should just change it, you know. And so like you know, Venom comic has four people on it. You know, so it's just the shit's not that critical, you know? Yeah. Totally. Uh, Jesse James, what do you do to avoid sounding like Donnie and to make each character mm. have their own voice? Jesse James, uh, if you're named after the outlaw, Jesse James, then you and me are kin, homie. Because I am this dis- wearing a, a bunch of advocates stuff in his is he? Well, I am I am distantly related to the outlaw J- 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 Jesse James, as is almost everybody in Austin and Texas. <laughs> uh, at least they at least they claim to be. I'm sure mine's just, just as bullshit as everyone else's. Um, how do I avoid sounding like Donnie? Well, there's a lot of my detractors online that would say that I just don't, um, but. I don't know. It's always been a weird thing. I, I I I think that if I do have any like natural skill going into comics, is that I've always been very good at that. Is that I I know what I know what Peter Parker sounds like. I know what Thor sounds like. I know how they would respond to things. Like I think that I I don't I I 
trying to think if there's any characters that I wouldn't know how to do just like off the top of my head. I mean, certainly there are, right? Like, you know, um, uh, a lot of DC characters, I'd, I'd probably have to go and get like a big um, uh, a dose of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all just people, right? I mean, in the same way that like, I could probably write a script in which Meg, my my wife, talked, and I, I, I'm around Meg every day. I know what she sounds like. You know, I grew up around Peter Parker and Thor, you know, and Hal Jordan and and and, and Spider-Man. I, I just, they're my friends, you know, and, and part of being a good writer is being a, a bit of an impersonationist impersonator impersonator impressionist is that right that's not yeah, good so does that do, do any of those words yeah. fit <laughs> okay all right um you have to kind of ape voices you know and I, I i i think that i'm fairly good at that i feel like i've always been very good at just being able to just be like oh no that's what peter sounds like you know um i don't know it's just always come very naturally to me it's something that i have to do all the time i have to switch between characters voices all the time like you could probably give me a setup, you know, like, you know, someone, uh, the police knock on your front door uh, to tell you that a loved one of yours has died in a car crash. I could, you could probably line up every single character that I've ever written and I could write that scene in exactly how they would react, you know, uh, in that scene. Um, so I don't know. There's characters that are way more like me, you know, that are a little bit easier you know, um, uh, there's certain like certain characters that are way not me. Like I had to write, I had to write Jordy LaForge and Data in Star Trek, who are just so not, and it's not my cadence. That's not my, you know, what I'm saying, um, or like having to write Reed. Like anytime you have to write anyone who's a lot smarter than you is always kind of a challenge. And that's you know, besides Eddie, most of the Marvel U is smarter than me. Um, that's why I like Eddie because Eddie just Eddie, Eddie always just feels like to me oh my god Cordelia I swear to god baby <laughs> baby she knows that she's being shipped away tonight oh dude hey Meg Meg hey can you come get, get, give her treats or drugs or something this is her attempt to become an influencer yeah um, uh, that's why I like Eddie to me is that like you know, in a huge crowd shot of all all the Marvel characters, um, if like Galactus touched down, you know, you would see, you know, Cap like sent up a shield, and like Thor would grab his hammer, you know, and Reed, and the they would all get together, and the X Men would like bust out claws and put on gear. Spider Man would like gear up, and you would just cut to Eddie on a corner, and Eddie would look look look, look up in the sky and be like. Man, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like that's just like that's why I like Eddie so much. He's just like so like put upon and tired, and he's just like I, just, I was going out to get milk for my kid. <laughs> do I have to? Do I have to be along with this? Like I'm not. I'm gonna. Uh, this is not a me thing, you know. Like I, I, I just. He's always seemed like so separate from like the Marvel U to me, you know, yeah, and like yeah. the Marvel U happens on eddie yeah. you know it, it like falls on top of eddie quite literally i mean he was in a he was in a he was in a church trying to kill himself and marvel like continuity goop fell on him <laughs> you know um it's like i can't even fucking kill myself in peace um so yeah i don't know if i answered the question but that's that's the answer to that 
Totally. That's what we I've call got a quick good question. enough. I've got a quick question from John Iker, I hope is how you pronounce it. He says, when starting an original story, where do you begin your process? Writing each character, overall story arc, or something else? And how do you keep yourself from wandering in too many directions? Oh, I don't know. I think you get better at that um, with age and the more you write them. <clears throat> it's different for, for, for every book, obviously, but I tend to start with character stuff and just b- balloon out of that. Um, um, sometimes it does start with like a cool hook, right? Um, trying to think like, I don't know. It's always, it's always kind of part and parcel. All these things are kind of mixed together. Like it's just like in the process, like in the soup, right? Mm -hmm. So like with Thor, like the Herald of Galactus stuff, um, I had like four, uh, three or four different, arcs that I wanted to start with but I always knew the overall thrust was this idea of Thor kind of mourning the days of being Thor Mm -hmm. you know and like having to take on this king role you know Mm -hmm. and like this idea that we all think of 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 Thor putting the crown on as an end to his character arc Mm -hmm. but there's a line that Sif says in an upcoming issue of Thor where she says we always knew that Thor was an arrogant and uh, like like uh, a bullheaded prince why did any of us ever think a crown could change that you know and so it's this idea of like Growing older and being like, oh, well, you know, you're supposed to be different now. Like you're, you know, like Meg and I are married now and like about to have a kid and like have this house and stuff. I don't feel any different. I'm just me. Like we always think that these big milestones are going to change us and stuff. But at the end of the day, you got to deal with whatever just made you fucked up. Right. Like no crown or thrones ever going to change that. So I knew that that's what it was going to be about no matter what. It was just kind of planting plot on top of that. Right. And so I think that's a lot of what I do is like I follow my through lines of like, you know, I like I I like the Peter Parker kind of method to writing characters, which is just like Peter's living his day to day life. Peter's got to, you know, go to the the bank and beg for an extension on his rent and, you know, get to class and all this stuff. And. In and around that, the fucking Green Goblin shows up, and now he's late. Like right. Marvel, like 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 plot happens to Peter. You know, Batman can be a little bit different of a character because Batman chases plot. You know, Batman's a very active character. Not that Peter's not, but you understand what I'm saying. It's different. Superman chases plot. You know, uh, 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 so it's very different. But yeah, I think you always want to start with like, what am I trying to say? Or not, not even necessarily what am I trying to say, but like, where am I finding this character in their life? Right. You know, where was I finding Stephen Strange in his journey as a man at that point? You know, um, things like that. You know, I just uh, I, and sometimes you know I don't want to discourage writers either. If you don't have that, uh, don't worry about it. <clears throat> Make a really cool plot. That that's fine too. I I guarantee you that you will look back on that story and find out that you were writing about something you just didn't know it yet. Because it all bleeds out. It all bleeds out. Um, I wrote a book called Ghost Fleet that I thought was just this big summer blockbuster popcorny book that I did with Dan, Daniel Warren Johnson, mm-hmm. and um, 
I was co-writing it with a buddy of mine who midway through kind of putting the book together, we fell out like really hard. And uh, he was my best friend and we had a massive falling out. It was bad. And we still haven't spoken to this day. Um, I don't miss him. He doesn't miss me. It's fine. But um, for those of you who have read Ghost Fleet, um, Ghost Fleet is all of a sudden about a partnership that one of them is betrayed and the other one literally carries around the living embodiment of like hate field filled baggage that he like can't let go until the end. None of that was on purpose. I didn't know that I was doing that until the book came out in trade paperback and someone did a review where they like laid all that out. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> that was absolutely what I was writing about. Holy shit, you know? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's going to seep out. It's going to come out of you, you know? Um, it helps when you have these IPs, you know, it, 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 doing a creator-owned book's a little bit harder. But, like, you know, if I was taking over, you know, Daredevil, which I'm not, but if I was taking over Daredevil, I mean, I have all of Chip's run, all of Charles's run, all of Diggle's run, all of Bendis's uh, wait, sorry, Brubaker's run, Bendis's run, Kevin Smith's runs. That 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 is, by the way, in exact chronological order. <laughs> chip backwards. I will let you know. Um, I have all of that to draw from. Of like, this is a man who has gone through all that shit. What does that guy look like? Right. You know, I have most of his life in front of me, so it's easy for me to pick him up at a place where he's, you know, what does that do to a guy? You know, um, it's just, it's the King Thanos, uh, King Thanos. Now, hey, no, that's not a bad idea. Wait, I did that already. I did, I did that. Yeah, 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 I did that. Like <laughs> the, the, the King Thor thing, you know, it's not a direct continuation of, of Jason's storyline, but it is, you know, it is. It, it's, it's me, it's also me, very personal story of me coming onto a book where Jason has written more issues of Thor than anybody on the planet. And so like, or does that look like me going into writing Thor? Well, it looks a lot like me battling a shadow. It, look, it looks a lot like me uh, raging against um, this shadow of the word king that kind of hovers over me as the writer, you know? Um, and so that's just what Thor's about. He is literally fighting a giant fucking shadow. Um, and so, you know, it, you find yourself. You find yourself the more you, you do it, you know? That was a good one. <laughs> that it was, was great. <laughs> oh, good. Good. I'm just pulling shit out of my ass here, I hope. Those other ones? Uh, yeah, this totally. makes sense. I got a uh, question from Hunter at Cam Senses. He asks, uh, do you give yourself a specific structure for issues, or do you write until the page count is up and then minor adjust it later? That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> like asking a band who's just like, yeah, just go in there and just play instruments until three minutes are up. <laughs> and then like, and then, like, sometimes, like, Pink Floyd's The, the Wall comes out. It's like, no, there's a lot of structuring. There's a lot of, you know, I think if, there, if there's anything that I'm known for, it is my last page cliffhangers. You know, every issue that I do tends to have some sort of a what the fuck, like, see you next month, kids, kind of a thing, you know. 
Um, I think that kind of comes from the fact that like a lot, like every writer gives different advice, and the one one of the ones I hear the most is just start writing, just start putting stuff on the page. And so I think well, yeah, but that's but that's not out and then fix it, or you know, that's jamming out and fixing it. That's that's outline stage shit. That's not scripting stuff. Right. You know, you want to you just want to open up a random document and write Thor on it and then just start like just like vomiting out all your little bits and bits of ideas and stuff yeah. and eventually that'll start to kind of take a take a little shape you know that version to me i don't really do that version what i do is i call stegman or i call one of my buddies and i'm like you know i i had a thing the other day an issue in, in venom number 26 where i needed the and, and jason's uh, jason um, Ryan's not even drawing that issue, but he's my partner on the book. And so I just called him and I was like, I don't know how to make this, this interesting, but I have like four or five different ideas. And so my version of just like the word vomit thing is, is I, I like to talk it out. I'm, I'm better like, like, like that. Um, and so like, it'd be fun to like record one of those conversations one of these days because they're very, they're fairly quick. I've gotten good at good enough at structures for comic book issues these days. Um, you know, I've written a few hundred comic books in my day. Um, I only say that to say this is that like, I, I would be fascinated to see that like what someone like Bendis, who's written thousands of comic books, what that looks like to him and like, how, and like how fast he can piece it together because I'm decently quick at it. Cause I know going into an issue what my objectives are like this is where we need to end this is the information i need to give these are the big moments and then i it really helps me to get on the phone with my editor and just say like all right man hey can i just like talk at you you know and they're always like down like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i'll you know Devin's really good at this i'll just get on the phone and just be like okay so for this issue like i'm thinking like uh, some kind of cool opening like this and then they go up to this and Devin will be like, I love it, I love it, I love it. And then I'll get to a place, and he's just like, well, I wonder if you couldn't tie this to that, if X, Y, and Z isn't this. I'm like, fuck, yeah, that's great. And so, like, you know, there's days where I wake up where I'm just completely lost. <clears throat> like, I had a script due. I've been sick a little bit, as we in the last episode know. Um, uh, there have been entire scripts where I'm just like, God, I know... I know what the finish line for this script is, but I'll be goddamned if I know how to get there, you know? And, like, it's just, like, it can take me... I can write an entire 20 pages in a single day, but it might take me three days of thinking about it to be able to do it in one day. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, I can... Normally, I can circumvent that if I can just, like... Like, just the other day, issue 26 of... Venom, I had no idea what I was doing, really. I mean, again, I always know somewhat of, like, where it needs to go and stuff, you know. Um, but I called Devin in the morning, and I was like, all right, man, I need to I need to talk this out with, with you because I'm a little bit lost. And he was like, uh, not to be a dick, but have you not started writing this yet? It's due today. And I was like, it'll get done t- today. Like, don't worry about it. And he was like, okay. And so we just talked it out for like an hour. And then I was like, all right, I'm on it. And it was done by five o'clock. Like I just needed to like, I just like needed to get my head around and like talking things out is like exactly what I need. You know, um, as I know, like the P 
pieces. I, I know that like, oh, he's got to get to this place and meet this person. But like, how do I activate that meeting? Like, what's how do, what's the natural place to like, like, how the fuck does Eddie get from point A to point B in a natural way that, you know, it's just like little shit like that. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I just talk shit through, uh, uh normally time. Yeah. I, it's never failed. A lot of writers swear by walks, which I completely agree with. If you're having like, and I know people are going to ask, I saw on there that a lot of people are asking about writer's block, uh, go for a walk, talk to a friend. Those are yeah. undefeated, undefeated. And be careful about how, about who you talk to, because you need a very, spe- uh, you need a very specific kind of friend. Because what this this works for me, I need someone. I need them to understand that I am not looking for them to solve my problem for me. I don't need them to jump in and go, "Oh well, what if you did this?" I need them to kind of just be a wall. Like I need them to just kind of sit there and let me talk at them, and let me read the reaction on their face as I'm telling the story because there's their face and their level of interaction will tell me if it's cool or not, you know? So like I can be talking to my friend Seamus and just be like talking through a story and I'll see him just kind of like check out. I'm like, all right, that part's not going to work. And I'll just, I'll check you out and I say, Hey, why are you not liking that? You know? And so I need like, I need a, I need someone who can just, does that make sense to you guys? Yeah, totally. Like, because yeah. that is a lot of what an editor's job is. Because again, you don't want an editor who's trying to be a co-writer. That's not their job. Um, but you need them to sit on the phone and go like, okay, 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 and then at a certain point start asking questions and say right. like, okay, well I can understand why you got Eddie to that point, but wouldn't it make more sense if? Right. Or like, you know, why are you doing that? That doesn't make a lot of sense. That yeah. that is a completely different um, uh, uh, relationship than, oh, okay, yeah, I see what you're doing. But what if he got into a jet instead and yeah. called Agent Fury and did this? I'm just like, motherfucker, that, that's not what I need you here for. <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't need you to, like, add your two cents. I need I need you to check and see if my change is correct does that yeah. make sense yeah. you know um so it's a very delicate balance in finding that person in your life if it's your partner or if it's a uh, you know best friend or um you know just someone you can trust their taste you know um and it's someone you know, like my best friend seamus is very good about being like bro that's boring as fuck you know, and <laughs> he's just like, he's just like, is Thor going to hit somebody with a hammer anytime soon? <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like really good at that kind of shit, you know? So like, I think finding that person will, will, that'll answer for me at least. And again, I'm not an authority on this stuff. I, 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 I there's people who've been doing this for way longer than me and are way more educated on this stuff. This is what works for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting trying to talk to somebody about what's in your head. It feels like the idea will change like its form of matter when you take it outside of your head and put it in front of somebody. Like you'll well, realize good. how little how yeah. little you've thought of thought through something or how Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what's so so good about uh like the Marvel retreats is that's all it is. Yeah. You know, and like you will you will realize mid sentence 
how dog shit your idea is <laughs> by like you'll look across the room and like Jason Aaron just got a little smirk on his face looking at you and I'm like and you can just tell by his face he, he's just like oh you have not thought this shit out at all this is gonna be hilarious to watch people rip you the fuck apart but also you know uh, I what I do and a lot of writers do is like you know the the writers retreat isn't there to to impress anybody yeah. You know, like uh, it, a, a lot of people do this and I do this. I go in there and I say, hey, man, this shit's half baked. I need y'all's help. And like we have, a, a, you know, assembled the most powerful comic book writers in the entire industry. You'd be a fool to not go in there and ask for help, you know, and go in there and just be like, hey, man, I, I, I know that like, you know, I'm doing a completely fictional thing. I know I want Green Lantern to go into the future and like live in the future for a million years and come back. But God almighty, I don't know what the modality of that is. And I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I think that's a cool idea. I think it's a really cool idea. I think it's really marketable. I think we can get some really cool new designs out of it. And it would do a lot for Hal Jordan's character, but fuck man, I'm just so stuck. I don't know how to get him there. And like, that's a really cool that just, just fucking say it. You know, like, don't don't try and act like a fucking badass all the time, man, because like writers will smell that shit from a million fucking miles away. You know, like there's there's guys who have come in that room who have burnt out since I've been there and they try and do that shit. They try and come in there and they'll be like, I'll be like, well, then, you know, uh, the Flash um, joins the Marine Corps and uh, he becomes the president and we'll be like, whoa, 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 hey, slow down for a second. Why? What's uh? What's the what's the flash in the Marine Corps thing? And they go, don't worry about it. I got it figured out. And they try and like move on, and it's just like predators on a chicken. Like, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's just like it's like no 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 no. Excuse yourself. Explain what you just said. The flash joins the Marine Corps, and like, if they don't want to talk about it, it means they don't know what the fuck they're doing, and they're not, and they and they have too much pride to just be like. All right, guys, I thought it would be cool with the Flash from the Marine Corps, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means, <laughs> and I don't know why, but I thought it'd be cool. And, like, if you just come at people like that, people are happy to help. You know, people will very rarely go, well, I think it's fucking stupid that the Flash joins the Marine Corps. I don't, I don't want you to do it. I think, it's, I think it's fucking stupid, and you should just throw it away. No, like, most writers will chase fancy, you know? They'll, 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 they'll be like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how can we do that? Like, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean that he's in there? Is it, is it like a secret identity? Like, you just start like going down paths and stuff. But if you try and bullshit and blow hard and, and pretend like you've got it when you clearly don't, then you're not going to get anyone's help and your story is going to suffer, you know? So, like, there is a level of like letting your ego go. And just like asking for help, and I've done it so many times with my best friend, um, with Megan, with like with like fellow writers. I'll just call them and just be like, "Hey, man, I'm fucking lost. I'm lost. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing." I called Dan Slot when I was doing when I was getting up uh, my Venom run, and I had all these crazy ideas about how to start my Venom run. There was like some time travel shit. There was like. 
He was like retired to West Virginia, chopping wood, hunting a bear. I mean, it was a lot of just like dumb shit. And I called Dan Slot, and I was like, "Hey, man, I know we don't know each other that that well, but you're like a master of the Spider Verse. Can I just talk at you? Can I just?" And I got through just like vomiting all this shit to Dan, and Dan just took a deep breath and he goes, "Wow, you are in the weeds on this one." Well. Let me get settled in. It's going to be a long night. And he just like, he just like helped me. He just like sat down and just like banged it out. Like we just banged it out. You know, and he really helped me just like um, get to the bottom of it and like really um, uh, flesh it out and stuff. That's what you need. You know, you need someone who's willing to pull you out of the weeds and, you know, Again, not turn your 10 into a 7 just to have their thumbprint on it. That's vital. If you can find someone like that in your life, like, hang on to them like crazy, man. You know? Ghostface at Wabba Labba Dub says, uh, how much backstory do you give a character when you create them, even if it's not important to the story? Uh, of course, there's info relevant to the plot, but is there a lot of stuff that doesn't make it in, but it's just like a small auto-bio for a character in your head? How do you, how do you work on that? Oh, that changes a lot. I know a lot of writers do that where they're, they're like, I've like created like their whole like, you know, like 18 years of history of what they do. And like, this, this is what their dad did. And like, you know, this is what his dad did and stuff like that. Like, I've never really written like that. I, I, I tend to, I tend to, what's on the page is very relevant. And the things that you don't know, I'd really rather you figure out on your own. Like, you guys have both read God Country, right? Mm-hmm. What did Emin, What was Emmett Quinlan's job? Yeah, you'll never know. It is not <laughs> fucking important. It is not. It has no is zero impact on the on the plot. Did we it find that have, in the feature film version? Yeah, no, it wouldn't have. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have pushed. It wouldn't have pushed the plot forward to know that he worked at a beer bottling plant. You know, it just wasn't. It wouldn't have done anything. Like, what did Roy do? What was Roy's job? You'll never know. It's not important. It's just not pertinent, you know. Um, if it became pertinent, you know, like if, you know, if Emmett Quinlan was a retired sheriff and that I needed that because there was, you know, the sheriff in the neighbor or, or in the town uh, was taking it easy on him because he was an ex-cop or something like that. And so there were guns in the house, something like that. That would be very pertinent, right? Um uh, I tend to go the John Carpenter route of character, you know, uh, story. Like, you know, I've talked, I've, I've talked about this before. John Carpenter is very bare bones in his backstory. Like, what's why did the alien species and thing come to Earth? Fucking none of your business. <laughs> Who fucking cares? Let's just fucking go. Why did Michael Myers uh, come back from the dead as an evil, unkillable, super strong zombie? Go fuck yourself. That's why. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Let's fucking roll. Let's get into a cool film. You know? Like, what? where do the aliens come from? An alien. You know, go fuck yourself. Who cares? Let's fucking roll. And then, like... You know, every movie that has, like, tried to go back and been like, no, it's better if you know. It's just like, no, it's not. Has it ever been better if you, you know? You know? So, like, there's certain things that are very pertinent to a character's backstory. They're, like, very important. And I absolutely build those things. But, like, um, 
No, I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not like a, a like a Dungeons and Dragons dungeon master. Uh, when I build my characters, you know, a lot of the characters I write from Marvel are just you know they're Marvel characters, so it's all there. Um, but for my creator own books and stuff, like you know, with like a character, a character like um, uh, Robin slash Francis and Buzzkill. A lot of his origin is spelled out for you in that book. Like you go back and you see it, you know, and so a lot of that's pertinent. Um, Trace in Ghostly, you see a little bit of that too, you know, but like, yeah, I mean, like, that was something I actually thought about a lot with God Country. I was just like, is it going to annoy people that they don't know much about Emmett, like prior to the d- disease and stuff? I ultimately d- decided on the idea that, like, I think it's kind of cool about an idea about a man who forgets his past for you to not know anything, yeah. you know? Um, and so in that way, it didn't matter. Like, in that way, the things that... <clears throat> in God Country, it's a book about letting go and as you let go, finding out what's important in life. And I think that when you find yourself at the end of your life, you don't think about being a, a greeter at Walmart. Uh, I think you think about your family and stuff like that. And so I was just like, fuck it. Jobs don't matter. Like families and families, what matters? I don't give a shit. So let's just like move ahead. But again, it's a case by case basis. Right. Cause I got a, I got a piece of advice recently that somebody was like, like you shouldn't start writing your story until you know your characters intimately and you have backstories for them and whatever. And if you don't know where to go with a character at a certain point, it's because you didn't get to know them well enough initially. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting, but I also feel like that's contradicted by other, I don't think everybody follows that, but I, I, no, no one does the same. No, no one does the right thing. No one, no one, no one tells a story the same way. Uh, No one does anything just the way that I, again, nothing I'm saying is gospel. And like, I've absolutely done that. I've like gone in like, I'm writing a new image series right, right now, uh, with Jeff Shaw that I've done a lot of that. Um, and actually the book that Megan and I are doing, We've done a lot of that together because uh, for us, it's a character that we created simultaneously and we live in the same house. And so it's been really great to just kind of like, it's kind of nice because like Megan, I can like go on a date and just like sit around and talk about her and be like, well, you know, her dad probably did this and his dad probably did that. And like she does this job and everything like that. And so it's like, but it's all, it's all going to be there on the paper. I don't, I'm not a big believer in like, having a whole bunch of fucking backstory and stuff, it's never on the page. Uh, you know, it, it feels like, I don't know. I don't know. It feels like, like, like doing a, a giant, like well thought out painting of a castle and then like, uh, painting white over it and then putting like a really shitty drawing of a castle on it. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Like, yeah. why are you wasting good material? Like if you're going to do all that backstory, it should be in service of something and we should learn about it. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I mean, I just, I, 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 I never ascribed that to that, to that theory of like, Oh, well, Chewbacca, uh, uh, is actually believes in this and is actually like, <laughs> knows chess really good and everything. And like, is actually like, like a pacifist and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, how the fuck would I ever know that from watching those films? And that like, we got to read the novels and the handbooks. I'm like, but I'm not gonna, I'm not going to read those things. Just so, like, in the fucking story, if it's not pertinent to the story, I don't give a fuck. Like, if Chewbacca knowing how to play... F- I don't give a shit. I, I just... I don't... You know? I don't know if... I don't know if Peter Parker knows how to play fucking foosball, like, really good. 
if it uh, I'm, I'm 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 sure he's really good at it but like if it's ever pertinent to his story uh, that'll be cool you know but like i i just i don't know what i don't know what that does for my reading experience to have you know it's like you know i don't get into like things that are like triggering to people and like that really bother people and stuff i'm not a huge harry potter guy but i know that it bothered a great deal of people when they were like when like jk rowling was just like oh by the way dumbledore is gay and they were like where like where is that evidence in the thing and she's like well there is no evidence but that's just this the backstory that i created for him and i was like well then go fuck yourself like, then what does it do for us? What does it inform the character just because, like, you want the brownie points for it, you know? That'd be me, like, if I wrote all of this Eddie Brock stuff. And, oh, no, you know what? Actually, a great example of that is if, like, God Country came out and was, like, like this movie. And, and let's just say it does really well. And then I was just like, well, <laughs> if you uh, if you read my Twitter, you would know that Valifax um, uh, was actually uh, Polly. <laughs> They'd be like, what? What are you doing? No, it's not. It's a sword. I'd be like, well, it is and it isn't, but it's, uh, it's <laughs> poly. It has multiple. Um, it doesn't present itself. And people everywhere would just be like, shut up. What are you doing? No, it's not. If it's not in the story, it doesn't fucking matter. You know, it's just silly. Just silly t- to me. I, I, didn't, I don't know. I don't know. It's like if you, were, if you watched all of Parks and Recs, right? And then they were like, they were like, did you also know that Leslie Nope is a champion tennis player? I'd be like, no, she's not. I watched all of it. And they're like, well, the handbook says that she is. I'd be like, well, it's wrong. I'm sorry. I, you made some dumb shit up that informs the character not at all. And so I don't know. That's, that's, that's my thing. If it helps writers to do that kind of stuff, then like go with God. But to me, it seems like a waste if it's not going to be in the story because your story should always be first. You are not a writer of a fucking encyclopedia. You are a writer of stories. And what moves stories is characters and emotions and and what fuels those things. If it doesn't, it's not there for that. It doesn't inform who this character is and it doesn't fuel their emotions and their development as a human being or monster or whatever it is right um then why is it there why is it there you're wasting everyone's time so totally i do have one last thing all right Um, our 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 buddy john eicher is back with another one over on the discord he two guys um, were on the moon if he asks if there were two individuals on another planet and one of them (laughs) uh, bludgeoned the other to death with a rock would Uh that indeed be messed up uh well i mean no i mean i mean i think i think canonically it wouldn't be messed up it'd be fucked up <laughs> it'd be fucked up it'd be fucked if up and here's the thing the and look the listen listen to me this is i'm gonna leave you on this all right <laughs> listen to me that yes. is the greatest collection of words ever assembled by the human language i don't think uh, ryan gets it ryan doesn't get it and i, I feel like ryan I doesn't understand why it's a perfect sentence well he's an artist yeah. Um, it is it, a perfect collection of words, and here's why: <laughs> you don't need to know anything about those two guys, right? <laughs> Whoever made that joke up, it's not a fucking trading card. Do, does it matter <laughs> that one of those dudes dropped out of high school and almost got his doctorate? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Does it matter that the other guy is uh, a werewolf? 
Uh, well, it would if he if it was pertinent to the story, because on the moon it's always a full moon, so maybe a better a bad example. But uh, you see what I'm saying? It's perfect. It's perfect. It's a perfect a really collection. Good of sense. for mm-hmm. a werewolf story is on the moon. It's always a full moon. Well, I, that, I actually stole that from myself because I have a story that I actually got people to pay me for called the No Werewolf, in which a man. Uh, when he, so I was trying to, me and my buddy, um, were trying to think of the cheapest way to make a horror film. And I was like, what if it's about a guy who turns into a werewolf, but when he does, he's also invisible. (laughs) And we called it the no werewolf. Um, because it would, it would still be terrifying. Imagine just like a huffing, like breathing thing through the woods. And then like, when you got attacked, (laughs) it would just be teeth ripping into you. Right. And then the sequel would be that it sneaks onto a space shuttle to a moon colony and it's called everywhere wolf. (laughs) Um, and they have to send a guy, (laughs) they got to send a guy up played by Danny Trejo, uh, (laughs) to stop the invasion. And they're like, and he's like, and he's like, um, and he's, wait, what does he say? There's a good line. Um, uh, every, <laughs> they're, like, they're like, they're like, you don't got it. He's like, well, on the moon, it's always a full moon. And they're like, and they're like, what are you telling us? And he's like, well, you're not just facing a nowhere wolf. You're facing every damn werewolf. <laughs> that's fucking awesome. From the that's just the trailer. The, I mean, that's the, that's the creator of Crobocop. Yeah, right. I don't know what the. F- I'm wasting my time. I just need like Blumhouse. Just give me like a blank check. I swear to God, I would fucking crush it. Every but I. But hey, no bullshit. No werewolf is a printed thing you can go and buy with my name on it. That it's like fully painted. It's it has. It is better than any than it has any fucking right to be. It was published in uh, something. Uh, hold hold on, there's strangers pulling up to my house for some reason. Hey, babe. All right, well the police are here. Uh, I, I the, someone called the police for me being too insightful. Um, so I gotta go and deal with whatever the fuck this is. Um, so I will, uh, catch you guys on the flippity flop. Um, I'm going to get out of here. Um, but close it up. We'll close up shop. Yeah. 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 In the meantime, um, uh, I think we'll, we'll leave on a few, on a few small things. Come to the live podcast taping. Obviously, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, uh, on Friday, whenever the fuck. And then um, you, you guys can fill them in because I got a bail. Um, but right. until then, um, fuck Ryan Stegman and his uh, luxury of vacation. And my name is Donnie Cates. Um, I I love all of you. Um, be good to each other. We are Venom. Blah, 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 blah. Fucking be dope. Read comics. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucking outro. Ethan, do you realize what the fuck is happening right now? Hmm.
Supple Boys are running the show oh, right now. Shit, there it's is a Supple Boys episode. There's nobody. There's nobody keeping an eye on us. Kenny yeah. isn't here. Donnie, Ryan, they are not here. It's a Supple Boys hour now. We could do anything. We <laughs> we could. You what? You wanna? I'm pretty tired. You wanna just end it? And... Yeah. Fuck this. I'm out. I gotta yeah, go eat. I'm pretty sleepy. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, that's another episode of the show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Stegman Show. Uh, you can find me at Griff Sheridan and Ethan at Tales to Astonish and Donnie Cates at Don Cates and Ryan Stegman at Ryan Stegman. Uh, email us at StegmanandFriends at gmail.com if you have any ideas or thoughts about the show. And uh, we'll read it eventually. Uh, we're on all the podcast stuff. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and we'll read that and feel good about ourselves or bad about ourselves. We'll we'll take it all. Um, are those all the things? There's a Discord. It's at Segment Show 1. Um, head hurts. Um, those were some great tips for writers. This is a fucking banger episode. <laughs> Ethan, you trying any LaCroix yet? We do still have to do our signature. LaCroix update. Uh, LaCroix boys. Yep. LaCroix boys. Yeah, no, I haven't had a chance yet. Although somebody on Twitter... I apologize, I'm forgetting who it was. Sent it's me Cha, a guide. Good friend, Cha. Yeah, sent me a guide to how to get into LaCroix. So thank you. Uh, it's it's going to happen. Uh, here it is. Yeah, Cha. It was Cha. He uh, he sent me a guide. So yeah, apparently I'm I Pomplamoose is where I need to is where I need to go. I'm sipping on one right now. And oh. I bet somewhere out there in the middle of the ocean, Ryan Stegman is too. <laughs> and uh <laughs> and I thought you were going to say somewhere out there in the middle of the ocean a dolphin is choking on a pomplamoose can <laughs> yeah probably if we're being honest and Brian Stegman tossed it in there so he did he hates dolphins oh, <laughs> piece of shit piece of shit you think he's listening to this episode right now no fucking way <laughs> <laughs> I think it's more likely it's more likely that Tom Hardy's listening as he was best friends with Donny Cates than Ryan Stegman is listening to his own podcast it's true and so how can we test this Ethan how can we test to see if he is li- if he does listen to it like we won't say anything about it yeah. listeners don't say anything about it please don't but- tweet to Ryan all right. Um, uh, so if Ryan is listening to this, Ryan, if you're listening to this, fire our asses. Yeah, we right are. Now. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> Supple boys take over. All oh, right, shit. let's fucking hit the outro. <laughs>